2: today it's the lockdown podcast network your team every day all right everyone good december to you i guess last episode was december as well uh but John do you know our last episode was our most popular episode uh, Apparently, people like trades they love they in, love in trades they, they
0: just if it was up to them we the league would trade whole teams every week.
2: Well we're currently in the longest ever period with no trade. I think uh, Mark Stein I want to say had that recently but Ke-
0: Kevin Pelton I, w- I want to give credit for it too because he he put out something like that too and before that was our biggest flurry uh, I think that the league has seen in years. Right before that. And then Chris Paul got traded for Russell Westbrook and everyone lost their minds and and we were so shocked that we couldn't do any more trades after that.
2: Yeah, I guess because we had more free agents than we'd ever had last year. So now as we come up on December 15th, uh, that is uh, basically today as you're listening to this. So maybe we'll see uh, something happen. But uh, we are going to talk plenty of trades in this, which is a mailbag. Thank you to everyone who submitted questions uh, to our entreaties on Twitter. And we're just going to do about four minutes per team here, every single team in the Western Conference. Let's get started here. Dallas Mavericks. And a lot of really interesting Mavs questions. You can tell Mavs Mm -hmm. fans are enthused by. uh... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, let's ask this one here from Jay. Mr. P4000. I love, the best part of these is reading the guys twitter handles by the way oh uh, yeah uh what pieces are the Mavericks missing to be real western conference contenders
0: well i think besides a really great twitter handle the other the other thing they need i think you look they're number <laughs> one they're number one in offense right and they're only 14th in defense and you look a lot of their role players are basically offensive role players uh when you look at the Curry, Hardaway, Brunson, Bobon, right? I th- I think they need to find themselves kind of one or two more beaten potatoes defenders, especially on the perimeter, uh, that could really help them become more of a top ten defense. I mean, as long as you have Luca, you're off. Offensively, you're going to be pretty good, and you're probably going to rebound at a pretty high level. But obviously, his skills are much more developed on the offensive end than the defensive end. And even with uh, Porzingis, who's a good rim protector, they just haven't quite been that level of defense.
2: Yeah, they haven't. uh, They've been able to get to a pretty decent defense when they've had Kleba on the floor. But when he's off and and they've been starting Powell, and Powell makes their offense absolutely unstoppable. Uh, But, you know, I don't think of him as a great defensive player either. Uh, you know, he doesn't have a ton of mobility. He's, he could jump, but he's not an amazing shot blocker. And he, with, if he plays with Porzingis, it, it makes more sense to have him on the perimeter where he's, uh, not particularly effective to me. So I think we, if you really want to go back and look at this team's flaws, watch their game where they got blown out at home by the Clippers. That's the game where you see, all right, what are these guys missing? And the wing defender is number one. Now the Clippers might have. Uh, other than maybe the heatles might have two of the best wing players that we've ever seen together on one team as far as beating one guy one-on-one and so paul george and Leonard. there's not many teams that are going to have someone to guard each of those players but i don't know that they even have one dorian finney smith maybe he's shooting it a little bit better but i'm very interested to see if teams uh, are going to guard him in the playoffs that that's really the thing to me is I don't know if I want to make a huge move right now. I want to get into that playoff crucible. They have plenty of time with this group. Porzingis hopefully will continue to improve coming off the ACL, and we'll see who can hack it in the playoffs and who can't. I do have a feeling though that there are going to be a lot of guys who might get exposed uh, either uh, on offense or defense. Where you know Tim Tim Hardaway Jr. trying to guard either Kawhi or PG didn't look too good.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so a lot of these, yeah, they they have a lot of guys who are like pretty good for sixth, seventh, eighth men. But when you get down to like a lot of these playoff series, come down to picking your best five and playing them forty minutes every night. And that after Luca and Porzingis, obviously, I'm not sure they have guys three, four, and five quite lined up yet.
2: Yeah, and I mean they deserve a lot of credit for getting a group that could be this good this soon they had to go for guys really on the secondary free agent market they mm-hmm. also have uh Courtney Lee who's basically a 12 billion dollar trade exception at this point and they also have a 12 billion dollar trade exception uh, exactly. to try and get better this year yeah i'm very interested to see I, I think i'm willing to do stuff if i'm them as long as i don't compromise that 2021 cap space as we've talked about that's really uh, the time for them and if they're going to continue to be this good and they're going i mean they could be around a 55 win team just with what they're doing right now, if you can do that the next couple of years, yeah, maybe you lose in the second round. But you, that's you're going in with Luca poised to be maybe the best player of the next decade, and Porzingis in 2021 free agency with a max spot, looking very attractive at that point.
0: Yeah, I you know for Dallas, if there's like a 10 million dollar guy that you can get with Lee and the Golden State pick. Like sure that you know who's under contract for next year. I just don't see a lot of those guys being out there.
2: Um, yeah, that being could the, help the second round pick that they have from Golden State.
0: But as is, as, is, yeah. as far as like really pushing the pushing the chips in though, I mean they kind of already did with Porzingis, and it's going to be harder to get that kind of third guy now without just doing it with cap space. So like you said, I think I think that twenty one market is their best shot. I think if they could put Dwight Powell in a trade between now and then. That might make some sense for them, too, because that that $11 number for him that last year is really a difference between them having max room or not.
2: Yeah, and they don't necessarily have – I mean, if you're really going to look at the players on this roster, as we're almost out of time here, but you really want to look at the players on this roster, who is a two-way player? Maybe Finney Smith if you squint hard. I think Kleba definitely can be, but how Mm -hmm. many minutes can he play? Yeah, Uh, You know, Porzingis, you hope. Mm Mm-hmm uh right maybe yeah but his shooting you know i wouldn't I really yeah, worry about that but he's
0: not a great on-court fit with luca who obviously you want to be on the court so that's where that breaks down a little bit
2: yeah and curry you know i think he could be a bench piece in certain matchups you know he, he defends better than his stature uh you know we saw that in the playoffs last year all right let's get to denver here here's one that i want to spend four minutes on a a lot of people basically asked this question so we're going to get to it uh what do the nuggets need to be a real championship contender somewhat similar to what we talked about with dallas what kind of trades could they make a lot of people asked about this so uh, let's start here just by identifying their needs what are they missing to get into that top group
0: to me they're a good team that doesn't have a really great on-ball perimeter player uh, that, that they can go to. And so Jokic is really talented, but it's a little different with a big. You can do all the funny stuff with him playing off the elbows and stuff. But at some point, you you want to have a guy who can beat a switch one-on-one and really reliably generate high-quality shots for other people. Murray is a good player, but he I don't think he's that guy. I think you're you're more comfortable if he's your third best player. And they don't really have that guy who's the number two there and and I think that's that's where you really want to upgrade if if you're them and that's what got exposed a little bit in the Portland series a year ago I thought
2: yeah well and at that time they had Jokic playing at a much higher level now I mean it's just they're the classic type of team to me unless Jokic can get back to last year's level and maybe even improve a little bit that just isn't as good in the playoffs they got a lot of players they've got a lot of depth they have a system that really works. Uh, Michael Malone uh, deserves a ton of credit for the way he's gotten these guys to defend, even if they do benefit from shooting luck to some degree. But, uh, yeah, I think there's just – there's nothing that they do that a great defense – because let's not forget, they played two crappy defenses in the playoffs last year, and they didn't look that great even against either of those. Exactly. So, exactly. Um And – now their defense is a little bit better than I expected. I still think they can be exposed by the best offenses as well. Uh, when you've got Jokic at center, even if there's no Golden State out there. So, okay. Here's your problem though. I guess, I think you're going to trade Jamal Murray. I mean, their number one problem is that the type of player that you're describing isn't really available right now. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So can you do something with the Millsap expiring or the Plumlee expiring or, um, you know, they, to get people interested in Malik Beasley or Wancho Vernon Gomez or Michael Porter? You know, that's it's it's tough. And they tra- you know, they encumbered themselves on first round pick in that grant deal. And I'm, I'm not sure that was the right deal for them.
2: Well, I think that it seemed like they needed another out in terms of they're not going to have cap space this summer and Millsap might leave. So they needed another player that they had bird rights on if Grant opts out to be their long-term power forward, I guess was the thought there.
0: Yeah, which which I get. Um, but I just thought they, um, they, they handcuffed themselves a little much uh, in the short term in order to... You know, make that move. They could push them up a notch. Now, maybe you look at them, you look at things. If you're them, and you say, all our guys are in our 20s. The Lakers and Clippers are ascendant right now. We're going to wait another year. The first round pick will be gone to Oak City. Then we'll be free to do whatever we want with all our future firsts. And we'll see what it costs to keep Grant, and then we'll make our judgments.
2: Yeah, and I mean, they their philosophy is, hey, you know, we were ahead of schedule last year. Uh, it was fine that we lost in the second round. I mean, they should have beaten Portland in, in my view, but they didn't. Yeah, uh, and and you know we're still continuing to build. We've got this core, and you know two three years from now, that's going to be our time. But I and mean, regardless of whether oh these specific teams might be worse, well it's going to be other really awesome teams at that point. I mean this this is not necessarily a. 60 win type of court to me that's where you need to be to get into the playoffs unless you have lebron james who's not trying in the regular season uh Mm -hmm. and you're cleveland he is trying this year but so so it's yeah it's really difficult for me to see maybe superstars become available but you know i think maybe their best chance is the okay Kawhi leonard wants to be traded or someone on that level wants to be traded and you take the Toronto risk of the guys in the last year of his contract and you pick them up. like that's because I don't think somebody wants to go to Denver in the long term, then maybe you hope you can resign them if you do well enough. I think that's the type of play that they might end up needing to make if we figure out who that superstar even is.
0: Yeah, yeah. the um, other interesting question for them do you, do you cash in your stock on some of these guys? like Gary Harris? Or uh, Will Will Barton's having a great year. <laughs> he's twenty nine. Yeah. You know, do you kind of do you see if you they can get, him, get somebody I, gets a, they need him right now. That's the thing for for yeah. this year. I think he's he's really important for them.
2: Especially I mean, that's the, it's another one too where they just don't have that three and D wing type of player with any type of size. I mean, Will Barton is not a three. He cannot guard threes. Yep, and, and that's Bill what is, they're asking him
0: to do. And Malik and Beasley Sapp is the same yeah. thing when they bring him off the bench. And Wancho is almost too big. Like he's a four basically.
2: Yeah. And, uh, Michael Porter Jr. won't be solving your defensive problems at the three either. And Millsap is 35. So, and Millsap again is absolutely critical to what they're, they've done defensively. You know, they've improved so much defensively with him on the board.
0: He's, he's, probably been the their guy. second best player this year. Him or right, Barton, fun. I guess.
2: Let's, yeah. uh, let's take a quick break here and get right back with Golden State. We'll do a quick lightning round uh, on them.
3: What's up, sports fans? Matt Peck here, host of Locked On Bulls, and I want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast. Huge Fan is a new SiriusXM original podcast where stars talk sports. Each week, join host Lechina Robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories, game day rituals, the most heated rivalries, and more. And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C., that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. Huge fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode.
2: So I want to tell you about a great sponsor, Masterclass. They are offering an incredible deal right now. You buy yourself one annual Masterclass All Access Pass. You get another one to gift for free at our special link masterclass.com slash per yes player efficiency rating easy to remember john invented it masterclass.com slash per buy one for yourself get one free to gift to somebody else what is masterclass it's a way to learn from the absolute best in their field whether it's stephen curry in basketball my wife has taken a number of their writing classes. Uh, really, really enjoyed Margaret Atwood's class. Annie Lewitz does photography. You can learn about TV writing, game design, tennis from Serena Williams, French pastry fundamentals. There's a master class for you, regardless of your field of interest. There's some people I know who, including my wife, who take it really seriously, and it could be taken that way, really getting immersed in it, doing the exercise, or if it's just a subject that you want to learn more about, you can just watch their cinema quality videos in any order or format you would like with your phone, tablet, Apple TV, computer, just a great potential gift for the polymath in your life. Once again, that URL is masterclass.com slash PER. to remember John Hollinger invented PER masterclass.com slash PER. Don't forget that slash PER URL. to so let them know that you came from us. Okay. Where do you want to start on Golden State? Oh,
0: with sad trombone music. Um, for the, Okay, here's a good question from uh, D-E-K B-Ball. For the Warriors, what's the most likely way they could use their huge trade exception? I could see two possible scenarios for using that trade exception. One is they hang on to it until the summer, obviously. Um, yeah. yeah,
2: it has to be. They basically have like a one-day window that they can use it uh, after the moratorium and before it expires.
0: Yeah. So you could use it. You could use it uh, on a draft day trade as well. So you know before July one. So they they have a couple different options well, with that.
2: Well, it, w- that would probably put them over the hard cap, though, right? Like they're they're hard capped through the end of the year. So uh, uh, unless they, the only thing they would do is if they sent out more salary, use the trade right. exception to take it back, and then created a new trade exception. Is that yeah? Really, so
0: that's where that's where thinking. I was going with this yeah. it, okay. because the name D'Angelo Russell has certainly come up. So there are scenarios where you do a Russell trade and you take back uh, a player who would fit into that exception, like say, uh, I believe Gorgie Deng just fits, if I'm not wrong, or does he make too much? Um,
2: yeah, it's it's, re- it's really close.
0: And so let's let's say there was a hypothetical, Gorgie does fit into it, I'm just looking it up now. Um, he will not fit into it uh, after the season because he, makes, he gets a raise next year. So... You you take Gorgie Dang and whatever into it and you create another even bigger trade exception uh, in a Russell deal. Uh, now the question is what would you then do with that larger trade exception, however, and now you don't have D'Angelo Russell. So you better be getting something else out of it. So it's, it's tricky. I think the most likely scenario by far is that they take it into the summer and then they do some kind of trade with it that either produces a player – or produces an asset plus a bad contract and then they can turn that asset into a player.
2: Yeah, this is going to be maybe an unprecedented situation for a team that will certainly fashion itself a contender with Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry. That core has won a lot of games together. We'll see what they look like and and whether they're too old and Clay coming off the injury just isn't as good anymore. But if they are a contender to have what's going to be Probably a top seven pick at minimum, and Russell, and a huge trade exception like that, and the willingness likely to spend. We've never really seen a contender with that type of flexibility. It's going to be very, very interesting once uh, this summer rolls around. Bob Myers, they're going to have a lot of optionality, but they're going to have their work cut out for themselves too.
0: And they could potentially have the biggest payroll in league history. That, that, i mean if they use the whole exception uh and uh you know keep what else is on their books and use their you know use their taxpayer exception and have a top 5 pick who's making like 8 million dollars like you're talking about 175 million dollar payroll
2: yeah and uh that would get very big uh, uh if they're in the repeater tax which they probably will be you mentioned that they could get out of it this year in your piece this week, but they'd have to cut like $6 million in salary. And basically they have to trade Kavon Looney, who I think they they like, although Looney is uh, not looking good coming back from that hamstring neuropathy.
0: Yeah, um, he's kind of permanently questionable too, right? He's in, he's out. Yeah.
2: Um, okay, who from this Warriors team can be a decent rotation player on next year's Warriors team? We'll, we'll talk basically about players who were, have not been on their team and in the rotation we'll assume looney comes back he, he's okay mm-hmm. um but who which of the guys that are on their team right now that weren't part of the dynasty do you like to be a part of a, a winning team next
0: year uh the guy who might have some kind of chance is omari Spellman, just because his i mean his ability to shoot i think becomes more potent when you put him around clay thompson and steph curry and the big is really reluctant to leave him then so, I mean, he's he's the one who, if he's in shape, uh, he could add enough offense that you live with whatever he gives you on defense. Um, I think Eric Paschal is certainly shown he's an interesting player, uh, probably more of like a bench scorer guy, uh, but he's he's definitely he's definitely proven that he's he's something. You know, we'll see how he fits when those other guys come back. Um, like I said, he's probably more like a second unit guy, but. I I think he's going to be in the mix somehow. I think a lot of these other guys, frankly, are, are not <laughs> part of the future. And uh,
2: uh, I mean, people here are talking up GR3.
0: Yeah, who's been okay, but he's on a one-year minimum. So even if he has a good year, he's gone, right?
2: Yeah, you would think so, right? And you also say, well, we could dip into our taxpayer mid-level to bring him back. But uh, there's so many veteran free agents that aren't going to have markets above the mid-level exception because nobody has cap space next year that's any good you might be able to do better than him even if he has played well i mean that you know they could give him 120 percent raise off the minimum but it's and he has been very happy here so i wouldn't rule out that he could come back on a minimum but it, it seems that seems unlikely spellman i disagree with you on a little bit i think he's you know maybe playoff ninth man but you know you put put him against houston he's not going to stay on the floor to me um okay next team here houston rockets will do another lightning round here okay what um why don't we start with this one from lethargic plays games lethargic <laughs> J, with d'antoni probably in his last year in houston is there another team looking for a coach next season where d'antoni and his style makes sense who makes sense as the houston coach i mean besides whoever is cheapest That's in the question. That was not me (laughs) saying anything.
0: Well, I, uh, you know, I wrote about this with Sam Amick for the Athletic this week, just about the general uh, coaching musical chairs scenario. I think everyone in the league expects Mike D'Antoni to be coaching someplace else next season. Uh, I I think there's just too much water that has gone under the bridge in Houston. Uh, You know, maybe if they won a championship, that could be forgotten and forgiven. I think, I think otherwise there's going to be a change there. Uh, And D'Antoni will be a hot free agent. So where, where could he go? Um, Depending the the bull. I mean, the bull's job is seemingly might be open. Let's say Uh, (laughs) let's, let's see who's making, who's making the call there. Uh, They, 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 their their history is a little weird on coaching hires. Like they, um, you know, they they passed on D'Antoni once already. That group, uh, w- when he interviewed with them, uh, the you hear the Knicks, and I think that's an interesting name. Depending I mean, on he would,
2: would he go back there? I not guess he, under he,
0: current he, management, but if you if you imagine uh, that there's somebody else in in charge on the uh, on the basketball operations side, then I think he would look at that job more openly.
2: Yeah, what else is going to be open next year?
0: There's uh, always stuff that is going to be open that you never anticipated.
2: I guess the only – maybe uh, Washington. What about Washington?
0: I I think Scott Brooks looks pretty safe there. They've kind of been okay, and they're not – they didn't have super high expectations this season. Uh, yeah,
2: What about, he is guaranteed at $7 million for next year, too.
0: What about uh, New Orleans?
2: Ooh, I mean, don't they already have – Mike D'Antoni as the coach,
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and they already got Jeff Bizdelic, too. There's a
0: there, yeah. There's a lot of systemic o- overlap. Um, so the, the that that would be an interesting one. You're right. They might go in a little different direction. Somebody a little more defensive minded there after the way their season has gone yeah. so far.
2: Well, I th- my takeaway from your article with Sam was that uh, Alvin had his contract guaranteed for next year, and that you know he uh he's going to at least be given a chance with their full roster. Um they have been decimated by injuries, but they also can't stop anyone. All right, let's let's get to one that's actually Houston related here. Uh are the Rockets even a 3 and D forward away from really being a championship contender or are they even further behind teams like LA the Clippers and Milwaukee? That's from uh at Petty Rocket
0: yeah, what is what does this team look like when Eric Gordon comes back? What does Eric Gordon look like when he comes back? Oh yeah. He's cuz he's a guy who could really help them I think get out of um uh some of the funks they're in some nights where I mean they're a really good offensive team. You know, obviously just just the fact they have James Harden guarantees that. But I think on those nights where they need a little more juice beyond just Harden Gordon's been able to give them that a lot in the past and was not able to at all the first nine games this year uh, where he he was injured and and looked and played very much like an injured guy. And you wonder when you get to these playoff situations, the teams really start throwing hard doubles at Harden and just basically say, we're going to turn the game over to Westbrook and live with whatever he does, that having that additional high-level weapon uh, is is a thing they're going to need cuz they're not they're not a great defensive team. I mean, they could use another 3 and D guy that's kind of at a at a higher level than Daniel House is, let's say. And but you just don't see a means for them to acquire that player if they, you know, they need to stay below the tax line, we we think they are basically cleaned out on assets. So how do yeah, how do they, they get can there? They
2: still trade 2020 and 2022 first round picks. Uh, so so they have a little bit I think the lack of matching salary other than Gordon is uh, maybe a bigger, I mean, it seemed like they were going to move Gordon and Capella to try to get Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Get signed and traded there this year. Um, So maybe those guys and two first round picks and you can get in the mix for a star who is not actually available. It seems like maybe that move happens in the summer after this year, though. Maybe they just, you know, when Gordon comes back, which when's that supposed to happen? Maybe like, you know, Three, Christmas weeks, like or so.
0: That. Yeah. That, that was yeah. the latest update I saw.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, that was the six to eight weeks knee surgery that never actually takes six to eight weeks. Exactly. Um, okay. Let's get to the Clippers here. Any of these questions pop out to you? Four minutes on the clock for them?
0: Well, here's a guy I was thinking about as I was watching the game last night. Uh, uh, Bewilder DVM asks, how critical is it that the Clippers hold on to Montrezl Harrell next year? Which I think is becoming a really interesting question because I think coming into the year, you would have thought, OK, they'll be able to keep him with bird rights and it might be a little expensive. You know, it might be like 10 to 15 or whatever, but that's fine and they'll pay it. And now he's playing so well that you're kind of like, huh, <laughs> like he may get 20. Like if you're the Clippers, do you really want to pay that or or do you look in a different direction?
2: Do, do you see any of the forlorn five as you – coined the term uh, (laughs) wanting him
0: you know it's always harder with bigs to find a fit that's that's the one thing that the Clippers have going for them I guess with this is that uh there's a always a surplus of fives and fours on the market and that tends to drive their their price down I wonder about him in Charlotte
2: Cleveland needs a center they, they would love to have a real pick-and-roll partner for their young guards who have not been doing much so far.
0: That's true. And, uh, you know, you presume they're going to move off of Kevin Love as well. Um, and, and, and
2: think of how well he'd fit with Julius Randle and Mitch Robinson in New York.
0: Well, yeah, obviously, as a, as a non-shooting big. I mean, that's the one thing <laughs> that I think the Knicks really need. So they're well, going they,
2: to have to... Trez, Trez better hope that uh, Steve Mills and Scott Perry are still in charge this summer.
0: Yeah, that I mean... That could because you're right I mean if they decline the the guarantee on Bobby Portis and you know Wayne Ellington and some of these other guys they'll have a, they'll have a ton of money to spend um I don't see a fit for him in uh in Memphis no and uh who's that is it, is that our entire five let's see oh Atlanta. Atlanta Atlanta that's he's a tough one I mean John Collins is kind of in that yeah. role right now so yeah.
2: I mean I mean Collins and him together I mean they've been playing Collins an traditional so I mean that would be him, Collins, and and uh, Trey Young, that's a pretty awesome uh, offensive core. And then you just put some three and D guys around them. What do you think of Trez's defense this year? That's the big question. Right, I thought he could be a trade candidate because he was a free agent and because he's not that good defensively. But he's been better this he's, year. Not he, amazing, but he's,
0: better. He's been better. I mean, he's still he's undersized and he's not super instinctive. So he's just like he just kind of does it with energy, but he's been better this year, definitely. But I still still don't know. But like as a as a starter, like you're basically paying him as a starter at this point, right? That's 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 where it gets tricky. You you need you need some good, you know, like one other good big around him. Hey, what about what about Trez and Dallas? How good would that be?
2: Yeah, I mean they've already got dwight powell there that they're paying 11 million a year so that might be i, I don't know that i see the fit there I, I think he'd be a little bit better of a version uh because he can do more off the dribble and, and make decisions if you're gonna trap Luca. but um okay one more question for these guys okay who would you take when healthy we had a number of these questions including from uh peter Markgraf and mm-hmm. at dat dude big pete
1: <laughs> okay
2: God, these are amazing. Uh, who would you take in a seven game series if healthy between the Clippers and Lakers? Got like thirty seconds for this one.
0: Man, that would be a war. I just don't know how how the Clippers deal with Davis. It's easier for me to say see ways that the Lakers deal with Kawhi and Paul George than it is for me to see the ways that the Clippers deal with Davis.
2: Well, well, but isn't one of those ways LeBron has to guard one of those two guys? Can can he do that at this point in his career? Guard either Kawhi or PG? I think.
0: I think he can guard Kawhi. I mean, Kawhi does so much with strength, and I think that gets a little neutralized against somebody like LeBron.
2: Yeah, so I, I I mean, but LeBron hasn't actually guarded a real threat on the other team in the playoffs in like eight years.
0: Okay, can you? I mean, what can you what can you do against them? With I mean, I guess Danny Green and KCP are both a little small to be playing against. Yeah, uh, we saw that in, in
2: the opener. I mean, well, Danny Green can take one of them, but who's guarding the other one? Like KCP got worked. In Mm -hmm. the opener by Kawhi. So I mean maybe you just have to deal with it. Um Mm -hmm. and and, I mean the other question that we'll come into too is like, all right, is LeBron and Kawhi, are they gonna play the four or are they gonna play the three? And who's gonna pull the card first of putting LeBron or Kawhi at the four and really causing potential matchup problems for the other team? Does it is it a small series or is it a big series? It seems like all the the players at least on these teams want to play big. Lakers have actually as we'll get to have been better offense or really with another big next to Davis which we didn't expect.
3: Mhm.
0: Boy, so, I think I think the Clippers try to get this small, get Lou Williams out there. Yeah.
2: Yeah, well you know, then speed, Lou though, I mean speed
0: LA up a little.
2: The, this is the team, I mean you just with LeBron out there, he is going to relentlessly punish whatever mismatch you have out there. He's the best maybe in NBA history. At doing that, and if you have Lou out there, they're going after him every single time.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And then it um, turns into a cat and mouse game. Of how do you How do you hide him? I,
2: I the mean, Laker, if,
0: Lakers have fewer guys you need to you need to hide that way. I'll say well, that well, for. Does
2: him. it Does it concern you that uh, by league rule the Lakers have home court advantage in all seven games?
0: <laughs> <laughs> we well, have not discussed this, but that would be. That would be a probable result, and that would be pretty amazing. It would be like that. uh, Do you remember when Chicago and Milwaukee played in the playoffs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 2015, yeah. It'll be like that, but worse.
2: Yeah, I I can't wait to see. We we need to get a little more information, and we'll get it on on Christmas Day. Hopefully, uh, we won't see uh, too much load management then. Uh, Let's get to those aforementioned Lakers. This is, I thought this was an interesting one here. I mean, because, uh, LA uh, has been pretty damn good this year, at least in terms of their overall record, 23 and three, uh, as are the Bucks, mm-hmm. uh, per cleaning the glass plus 8.9 net rating, uh, in non garbage time. You know, th- they've outperformed their expected record by 3.3 wins right now, but yeah. this is a, a, still a question maybe worth talking about. 22 and three is is 22 and three at dan satch is it possible the lakers are actually a historically great team if they win it all easily could we look back uh on this uh, as these guys are just that good all along and, and what are the signs that this was coming
0: yeah i think that's still a reach i i mean one are they the best team in the league right now no i would say milwaukee is
2: uh, but do you think they it, Milwaukee looks like a better playoff team than them to you?
0: I think that's I think that's debatable, I, you know. But I mean, we were just arguing about whether we take the Clippers or the Lakers, right? If they were like this huge unstoppable force, would we really be
2: well, even I mean, having the, that the debate? The Clippers, the Clippers look pretty nasty in the playoffs too, though. I mean, they kind these teams have a lot of talent.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. You know it's a it's a pretty pretty high bar you're setting, and you're talking about a team with two all star players and basically a lot of role guys. After that,
2: yeah, that's true. But I mean, that's uh, we've seen that formula be amazing, and I think they're above uh, those two guys are probably two of the top six guys in the league so far this year, maybe top seven.
0: Absolutely, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, and, and it helps that you know the second and third best players in the league are basically not playing this year as well. So everyone kind of gets bumped up a little bit. You know, no stuff, no KD. You don't have to face those guys in the playoffs. That helps you a lot.
0: Yeah, I still you know, you look at the secondary names on this team, it's like, okay. <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> yeah, Danny Green is their third best player. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> um but yeah, I mean LeBron and AD are really, really, really good. I mean that that's pretty clear to me. Um you know, I think they do have some guys who are a little bit limited they're be very reliant on the shooting of guys like KCP, Bradley, Rondo, Caruso. Mm-hmm. Kuzma has been, you yeah, know, yeah. yuck, yeah. Uh So it just uh, hasn't looked comfortable. Hasn't really fit in. You know, lo- looks like he's uh, kind of fits in better on a, on a worse team. So maybe it depends if they could make a move involving him and get. Uh, uh, let me ask you this: if they if they're not at that level, what do they need to get to that level? Do they need another scorer, another playmaker, or do they need just you know more three and D role player types?
0: I think they just need another um, another highly capable offensive player on the perimeter. So somebody somebody who can who can make more plays on the perimeter after LeBron gets rid of the ball and be a playmaker when LeBron is out of the game.
2: Yeah, what does this team look like when LeBron? goes up against guys that he can't just overwhelm physically. I and mean, there are there are not many of those guys in the league, but some of them play for uh the Bucks and some of them play for the Clippers. So, Absolutely. Um and Philadelphia, yeah. With, yeah. And, and and let's not forget he looked awful against LA in that first game. Now, you know, that's just one bad game, don't want to go too crazy about it. Uh but yeah, man, I this this has been great. I'm getting so excited for that. Matchup. All right, uh, your old haunt. Actually, here, mm-hmm. let's do a quick read first, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, John's uh, old team, in which he will use no inside information to answer these questions.
1: David Harrison here, the Locked On Washington Football Team podcast, celebrating with you a twenty-one grain salute to a less boring sandwich, thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings Good. Dave's Killer Bread is made with the highest quality organic and non GMO ingredients and is power packed with whole grains, fiber, and protein. Visit DavesKillerbread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of
0: your local grocery store.
2: Oh wait. Uh time to get to the Memphis Grizzlies. All right. The one that I wanted to hit. Uh, did you have one? Sorry.
0: No, you go ahead. You pick the question and then I'll fire away.
2: Okay. Uh there's just a few mentioning this here, but what do you see as John Morant's uh, destiny r- right now? Here, I mean, how uh, basically, how excited should you be about what we've seen from him in the the first couple months of the season?
0: Yeah i i think I think the Grizzlies have a lot to be excited about because you can see already that he that he does a lot of things that are really hard to teach in terms of where he gets with his handle, the passes he makes. Um and some of the things that are his weaknesses right now are the things that are the most fixable. Um in terms of, you know, maybe straightening out his jump shot a little. I know he's shooting 42% on threes, but it's on low volume, people still go under on him. And uh, you know, some of the maybe over ambitious passes and just filling out his body physically. I mean those 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 are like the easiest things to to deal with, right? The the hard stuff is Finding a you know twenty year old point guard who can murder Aaron Baines on a on a switch. Uh, well, I he I,
2: he does stuff with the ball two or three times a game that you just you don't see from anyone else. Like he is one of the most creative ball handlers that I've ever seen. Yeah, it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, no, it's 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 totally true. And you know he uh, it, it was funny because I saw him uh, early last year scouting him and like it was the same thing like there were just these there were a lot of mistakes but there were just these moments where you're where you just like nobody does that you know like a guy came down to him on a break and he just like went up and and had a two-hand shot block and, and it wasn't like he came from you know it wasn't like a surprise block it was like his man coming at him and uh it was like you just watch that you're like nobody does that like what was that i just saw and and i think you see that again this year with the grizzlies and you know he's only he's only going to get better in kind of those uh, more mundane areas, I guess, where 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 he does have to get better over time. I think the biggest thing you worry about with him is just his ability to hold up physically, yeah, uh, with his with his dimensions.
2: Yeah, that that's definitely a concern. I, I mean, the, just some of the landings that he has. Uh, he's already had a, a knee surgery this off season, uh, and I mean it, the way his athleticism, the way he's able to just take off seemingly without a plan 12 feet from the basket and finish these layups is just unbelievable. I mean, he just goes through guys. He goes over guys, scoop layups. I mean, he's going to only improve his finishing package, but the the history of these hyper athletic point guards is not amazing in terms of longevity. Russell Westbrook has been pretty good, although now really 30 or 31. He is kind of done, but you know, Derek Rose, John wall, two other comparable players to him Dennis Smith really never even got started mm-hmm. uh, maybe in part due to physical stuff um so you do think that maybe the time horizon is a little earlier for him than your typical oh you know when he's 27 28 that's when we're building towards yeah they might want to be a little more aggressive there I mean but let's say he doesn't get hurt do you see him as you know a perennial all-nba type of player
0: I think I think all-star I think is is one, one that I could see. All, all NBA just depends on. I think that still depends on variables that are harder to predict. Sure. You know, when you talk about that level of good, you know, how how good is he really going to be as a shooter? I think we just don't know. And I think that that's gonna be that's gonna be a swing variable that really determines if he's just a good player or is like a awesome player.
2: Yeah, but especially when you consider that rookie point guards now he is a year older than some of the guys who have come in lately just one and done so that's worth considering also that this is kind of you know compare him to those sorts of players in their second year perhaps
0: yeah but i mean he was playing against siu edwardsville last year and like all these other teams in the ovc (laughs) right so like the step up in competition for him uh has been enormous and he's dealt with it tremendously
2: I think if he stays healthy, I see him as a top fifteen player in the league. Um, I, I I feel comfortable with that. Maybe not all NBA, just because there are more guards than than others in some years. But yeah, and obviously they're gonna have to get more around him. They're gonna have to actually start winning for him to get in that type of consideration. But he'll be a big part of that. All right, we got a good one here from Minnesota at Nate Westerman. If you are running the Wolves. Do you think you'd trade Robert Covington at the deadline, considering how weak the market is? I assume when he says how weak the market is, meaning that there's not much being traded right now. I don't know if I agree with that, but uh, how large of a return could he get, or do you hold on to him because uh, they would just be hopeless defensively without him?
0: Well, I think as as the losses mount for Minnesota. I think they have to at least think about the idea of what his trade value would be and whether that makes sense for them. I mean, you could probably get a good first for him, right?
2: Does so, that does that
0: matter to you for Minnesota, though?
2: I, I mean, I would think that it would. I mean, they got to get some ammo for the D'Angelo Russell trade, right? I mean, that
0: actually yeah. is a plausible trade, though. Covington and Gorgie Dang for D'Angelo Russell. Like, what, what well, about that? Well,
2: okay, that's... The the Warriors would never do that. There'd have to be some big time picks involved. The Warriors yeah. taking out 17 million in dead salary of Jang for next year. I mean, that is that would be anathema to them. Also, couldn't happen until the off season because they'd be taking out money unless Looney were also involved in that trade. Uh And they're so close to the hard cap, they can't do that. Covington, just so we have it here, this is his age 29 season. Makes 11 this year, 12 next year, 13 the year after that. So. Uh, you know, 30-31, and 31, he's taking a little bit of a step back Yeah, this year, I would say, yeah. offensively. Hasn't, he's got that knee issue.
0: Hasn't quite been that guy this year at, at either end. And I think that's one of the reasons you have to look at it, that he still has two years to go. But maybe a team that's in more of a win-now mindset would would take the plunge on him.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think maybe if you're Golden State... Yeah, and I don't see that that trade happening until the summer anyway. With Russell, I think they want to see what he looks like with Steph and maybe even Clay if he came back at the very end of the year. There's um, no there's
0: no started. urgency for Golden State to do a deal like that this year, nope. really, uh, unless they want to recycle the trade exception. That that'd be the only reason to do it.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. So now the Lakers, I'm sure, would have some interest getting together some matching salary. There it could be kind of difficult. As well, in I mean, the Clippers, may, maybe they try to get him just to keep him away from the Lakers. I've kind of been thinking about that with uh, with Andre Iguodala too, mm-hmm. where uh, maybe the Clipper Memphis says, "Hey, you know, uh, we're gonna we're gonna buy out Iguodala, and he's gonna sign with the Lakers, Clippers, unless you uh, you give us some assets for him."
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: no, that <laughs> be a, and it might
0: it might be it worth it. it might it. work. It might yeah, be worth you it. Never know. Would I mean, you would some, you do yeah. uh, Harkless for Covington?
2: Um. I think I would just because you want a, a little bit more shooting. I mean, Harkless is more of a four. I think they could use more of a, a two, three type. I, I might like uh, Harkless to me is a better individual defender. Covington is a better team defender. Um, you know, I don't know if Covington can guard LeBron. He's a little too slight there. Mm-hmm. Maybe Harkless could, but no, I, if it was straight up, sure, but I don't know why Minnesota would do that. You're also going to throw in like your, 2021st rounder that the Clippers can trade. I mean, that's a that's a big piece for them. I don't know if they want to do it for a relatively marginal upgrade on the wing, but you, I guess you do get them for two more years. You Get them for two
0: more years. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
2: That's that's a thought. That's a, I mean, and for Minnesota is just you know the essentially because Hargus can walk after this year is the you know number twenty seven pick in the draft this year. Is that worth moving Covington?
0: I don't think it is right now. I think if they get to the trade deadline and they're out of the race, they have to look at that. I mean, because the thing you always have to have in the back of your mind when, if you're Minnesota, even though Carl Towns is on year one of a five-year extension, you, you don't want to get to the point where that thing is irreparable and he starts trying to push his way out. And so I think there are, there are, you, you have to have that always in your mind is how do we get, how do we get back to being pretty good pretty quickly?
2: Yeah, I, I don't think we should actually answer this one, but I did want to uh, give a shout out as, uh, since you mentioned Tons to, uh, at hot take Gabe 407, uh, who asked if the Wolves decided there was no hope, what would mm-hmm. be the best return for Carl Anthony Tons? That is, that's a solid hot take. You're living, yeah. living up to your name there. Gabe. Uh, <laughs> I think okay. we're a year or two away from that question. All right. Four minutes on the clock for the New Orleans Pelicans here. And you said, of this question in your notes, fantastic topic. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say from uh, William Kelleher. Should the Pels sell high on Brandon Ingram? Yeah. here. So
0: here's basically you have two avenues with Brandon Ingram and only two. He is definitely getting a max this summer, right? So definitely you need to decide.
2: Definitely getting a max. What's that? Definitely getting a max, huh?
0: I think you look at the forlorn five, as we call them, Atlanta, Charlotte, New York, Memphis, and uh, uh, Cleveland. All five of them need another perimeter player who can score. Ingram is young enough that any rebuilding team is going to want him, and there's almost nobody else worth paying. So the the market-clearing price is going to be a max, especially with the season he's having.
2: Do you buy Ingram's shooting? 41% 41% from three on six attempts per 36 minutes when he basically had been at like, you know, three attempts for 36 minutes and not amazing percentage before this year.
0: Yeah, I'm still, I'm still a little suspicious on that. Um, I certainly, cert, I mean, there, there are two levels to the question though. Do, do you buy that he's improved? And then do you buy that his improvement is as massive as his stats currently show?
2: Also, eighty-five percent from the free throw line when he'd been shooting in the sixties before. That's pretty impressive. It really is, right? And uh, who's the the coach in? I should remember. Vincent Nenson. New Orleans, yeah, Minson, New Orleans, New
0: Orleans shooting right. coach has a reputation. Um, and I know, like when he, we had, he's when we fixed had
2: Lonzo too.
0: What's that? Yeah, Lonzo, um, Lonzo
2: is fixed too. It, yeah, little, he. De- I de- de- I mean, no, up. it
0: definitely looks better. It's more in the center of his body. And he's a little bit more comfortable now shooting it on a step back to his left, where that was like an impossible shot for him before. Um, but you know, we Vince has been there a long time. We had Quincy Pondexter uh, in Memphis, and he always gave Vincent credit for uh, making him a shooter because he was a non-shooter at Washington. Um, so that I mean, that guy is, has produced results.
2: Um. Well, so back to the question though: of do you I mean the idea of selling high on him? So, question number one is, is he worth that max contract? Mm-hmm. And I think you do still, I think it's tough to do it because if he shoots it like this, I'm still not a huge believer in him defensively, but he's also, you know, he's only uh, 22, his age 22 season. Exactly. And, you know, the fit with Zion, I was extremely skeptical of. But if he can shoot it, I mean, okay, maybe he's not be 41%. But if he's even, you know, 35% and he gets decent volume, now you can play him with sign. Now that can maybe be your foundation and he can continue to improve. Um, I hated that fit when they made the trade. I mean, they had to do it because that's just what was available. But, yeah. um, I mean, he certainly uh, he deserves quote unquote credit for their crappy defense. He's been part of that to be mm-hmm. sure. Um,
0: he's also playing the yeah. four when he really shouldn't be. I'll yeah. say in his defense.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think, and especially the four next to a, a you know just paper tissue center.
0: Yeah, yeah, so,
2: yeah, yeah. That that's tough, certainly. Yeah, the, probably
0: the only front team. line in the league that weighs less than two hundred pounds combined. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, between between him and Hayes. Oh man, I, you know. So if you think he's worth the max, then you you just keep him, right? So, yeah. Um, and 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 we're gonna have approximately two weeks of data at best of him and Zion playing together, which sucks. Um.
0: So yeah, you got to me. You have to know your answer to this by the trade deadline, and know and whether there, you're looking to cash be, out.
2: There would be hope, maybe, of getting something in a sign and trade, but not as much as you could get for him now. Exactly. So, so I mean, what what would you be enough? I mean, I guess you could just ask around, hopefully discreetly, and, and it doesn't get back to him. That would be something interesting to talk about. Of like, how do you? have trade talks about someone and have it not get back to the player. I'm sure that's something you had to deal with. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, there's two. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry.
0: Usually you kind of know which teams are discreet and which ones are not. And so you kind of, yeah. but there's, there are times where you inevitably have to deal with teams where you're kind of, <laughs> uh, you're kind of wondering how, how discreet they're going to be. And, and so that's always a little dicey. The, uh, but something like this, I mean, you, you you'll know who's interested though they'll tell you they're interested you know what I mean you don't have yep. you don't have you don't have to fish for that and then it just becomes a question of at what level you want to engage on something and how much you trust these other teams to keep it on the down low or if you reach a point where you don't care if it's on the down low or not because you're definitely doing it
2: well, all right here we've gotten long on this, but it is fascinating in twenty seconds, tell me what kind of a return it would take to get you interested. Uh, in trading him at the trade deadline, if you're the Pels? Uh,
0: a a a real first that isn't like the 27th pick and is almost guaranteed to convey, and mayb- and maybe a second on top of that. But the the first is the absolute floor. I would I would a- I would ask for multiple firsts, but I'm just saying at the end of the day, if it got down to the deadline, what's your, what's your drop dead? If you decide he's not worth the max, I think that's where that's where you where you exit.
2: Okay, but well, yeah, but you make that decision for me. You're saying he's not worth the max, then?
0: I still, uh, I still think I'd be very skittish about giving him a max.
2: I mean, this this is not a free agent destination yet. New mm. I mean, I think even even with Zion being good, I think I, I still struggle to see it. Frankly,
0: no you you raise it. You raise a fair point right there. Yeah. Who else are you getting if you have that additional money?
2: And- yeah, and you know what? All right, you have to overpay him. For you know, if he plays like this, to me, you know, maybe he's not a max player, but he and again, he's only 22, right? Yeah, so that
0: contract should still be movable after you sign it, as long as he doesn't have health problems. So
2: now, now, now
0: now I'm arguing against my own argument here.
2: Yeah, to me, it's like two real first round picks. Also, remember this too, they got a bunch of first round picks in the future, and they're gonna have another really good one this year. How many first round picks can you really make use of? Uh,
0: yeah, that's the dilemma Boston ran into a little bit
2: yeah yeah so so i mean to me it's you know two first round picks that you would expect to be 15th or better that's Mm -hmm. the that's where it's gonna uh so in other words uh you know just a little less than the cavaliers are expecting for kevin love Uh, (laughs) that seems fair that that that's a good transition here here's another one that that you're interested in uh at lester freeman oh yeah that's just that's a hell of a name there good wire reference uh OKC okay, has a ton of draft picks coming in a few years. Ah, quite salient. Since we just uh, uh, yeah. kind of got on this topic, is there a point where it becomes impractical to play/slash evaluate so many prospects on the same timeline? Yeah, I mean, you can only. There's only one ball. Only five guys who can play.
0: So yeah, there are diminishing returns to having a gazillion draft picks. Um, Philadelphia has dealt with that a little bit in the last couple of years. Boston's dealt with it a little. And it's certainly going to be an issue for Oklahoma City if you look at all this draft pick inventory they're sitting on. Now, one of the ways you deal with it is you try to assemble multiple picks to move up in individual drafts, right? Try to shift a little bit more toward quality from yeah. your quantity.
2: Those uh, are usually very poor value trades, uh, the history of those.
0: Usually teams, the so. team that trades up uh, feels worse about it. There are exceptions, obviously. I think Dallas feels pretty good about the Luka trade. but. Uh Yeah. In, in in general has not worked out well for the team trading up the uh, there are other ways to deal with it uh the euro stash route where you where you use picks on players who are overseas and will stay there for a year or two so you can kind of the, draw the, out the timeline a little bit
2: the the uh Nicola Militino of uh, Anrze Pashniks. uh
0: <laughs> yes that ideally you want it to be more like the Tiago splitter model where he comes yeah. in and he's immediately good.
2: Yeah, it, that I've, that works a little better in the second round to me. The the first rounder there, that's a little that that's a little tough. the The history of using first rounders on Euro sessions I guess Valanchunas waited a year. That was okay, but, uh,
0: the, you, but you know, but yeah. I'm saying that because these firsts are they Clippers, they're Denver, they're Miami, they're Houston. You know, these are going to be yeah. picks in the twenty. 20- Three to 30 range. Most well,
2: of okay. Let's, I, I don't know about that. Once you get to 2024 Houston, I think that could end up okay. Really yeah. Good.
0: 2023 Miami also, which, oh, it's top 14 protected actually. So
2: yeah, I'll take that back. Um, so yeah, yeah. And, and Clippers, who knows? Who knows where the Clippers are going to be in 2024, 2025? I, I mean, I think it does to me become more difficult because they're going to have their own picks over the next couple of years. The hope probably for them is like they're actually starting to get good right around the 2024-25 20, time when this is coming due. And then I think it is more of a concern of how many of these picks can you use? Yeah. Can you develop these guys? If you're bad, I don't think it matters that much because, hey, you know what? Half the draft picks don't work out anyway. So this idea of like, oh, how can we use all these guys? Well, think of it as we really only actually have half of these picks because in likelihood – Half the guys you pick are going to suck.
0: Well, and they're coming into a roster where there aren't that many keepers that you're holding over either.
2: Yeah, I mean,
0: you, who's who when they get to next year is really like a core guy that they're you know super excited about. Shea, Gilgis, Alexander, and Darius Baisley probably, maybe, and that's that's about you know maybe Ferguson. You'll be on the last year of his rookie deal. We'll see if he you know. If, no, If he's really I, I part of the you. future or not. But after I mean, these guys like Chris Paul and Gallinari and Steven Adams, like they're gonna they're gonna be long gone by the by twenty-two and twenty-three anyway.
2: Yeah, you would imagine so. I mean, they really have so little and there's also been reporting that they're gonna be a bad contract dumping ground these next couple of years. I mean, I think actually that you know, maybe next year and the year after, they might actually be worse than they are this year.
0: Oh, I could, eas- I could easily see that. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. right now they're like inadvertently <laughs> headed to the playoffs because the the rest of the West has been so bad. They uh, the the only thing I see about them taking on a bad contract is like for what? Because you're getting you're getting another first at that point, which you get into some real diminishing returns there. Yeah, you know, you'd almost rather they they use the money to more proactively to to target players to sign that they might like. And could, and could be part of what that next generation is.
2: Uh, all right, next team here, Phoenix Suns. Let's do a, a lightning round for these guys. Connor Bryant, what moves make sense for the Suns to improve? Uh, is Tyler Johnson a giant negative asset, or does he still have credibility about the league? I'll, I'll take the second part. <laughs> <one> here,
0: right? <laughs> oh, you beat me to it.
2: I was volunteering uh, for it. <laughs> uh, well, uh, all right, in, in that case, f- <laughs> f- feel free. I, I thought that was... <laughs> I thought we could deal with low, that
0: quickly. Low hanging fruit there,
2: uh, yeah. Well, well, but but he is he. All right, he's terrible at this point, which is mm-hmm. kind of too bad. Uh, but he has, you know, makes about nineteen million. He is their matching salary. Exactly, that's, that's what he is right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they they at least have that going for him. And then you know what what moves make sense for them? I think you got to be careful not to get caught up in the chase for the eight seed. And make moves that you'll regret a year or two from now. Cause you're really still trying to look out toward what your team can be a couple of years down the road with Booker and Ayton and, you know, maybe Ubre and Rubio and, you know, Cam Johnson, Ty Jerome, whatever. Um, and, and try to build that team three, four years out. And what does that team need? Uh, I, th- I think they would still like, um, you know a a three four with a little more juice. Uh I think you still have to wonder about the point guard spot when you look more two three years down the road. I mean, rookie Ricky's been fine right now. I think that acquisition has really helped them solidify what, which was a glaring weakness a year ago. But I, I just I still think you have to have that building mentality though, and not get caught up in the short term chase, and you worry about Phoenix doing that given their history.
2: Yeah, and you know Rubio. Yeah, he's really helped. I mean, uh, they have a 116 offensive rating with him on the floor, uh, which is uh, absolutely insane. But uh, with him now, you know, age 29 season, and he's not really a playoff player due to his shooting limitations. When you can scheme for him, it becomes a a lot more difficult. So, yeah, I mean, point guard, power forward. Those those long-term point guard, long-term power forward. And, you know, you also got to see what DeAndre Ayton actually looks like once he comes back, right? and Can he defend at a high enough level? If he can actually be an adequate defensive center, then your priorities change. You know, you might need a Paul Millsap type of guy at the four. I mean, Millsap's old, but, you know, someone who maybe, you know, Thad Young, again, you know, the next generation of that type of a player next to Aiton. If he's not really that good defensively, have someone else who can help him out the way Millsap has – with Jokic, not that Jokic is much better than Aiden has been defensively in his career. Aiden has more tools. So uh, yeah, and then that point guard too, ideally someone who can, who can shoot the next generation of George Hill, you know, so, so there's a, there's a lot that they need. And then, you know, your question becomes, how good are Aiden and Booker going to be? That's where your, your fate really rests. But to build around those guys, the one and the four to me uh, are it. Uh, let's see here. Kelly Oubre, we talked about him a couple weeks ago, actually, in our mailbags. So we we can skip that one. Ah, this will be fun. And band seven, Andrea Bendizio. Bendizio. I'm not sure.
0: I think it's Bar- Bargnani's burner account, I think.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if the Suns would have drafted Doncic, would they have been a contender this year or next year already? What do you think? Wow. Uh. Well. Not as good as Dallas, right?
0: No, but. Um, you know the th- the the unknowable thing at the time was that Aaron Baines would come in and play as well as he did because yeah you'd you'd have a yeah, high level but w- but wing there. They
2: probably, I think you got to look at where they were then. It's yeah. to, if they have Doncic, I think everything everything changes quite a bit. Yeah, the, I, they might make more free agent signings um,
0: or different ones. To, they might have gotten better players to come
2: um ryan is ryan mcdonough still the gm
0: yeah yeah does the uh oh on the one year anniversary i have to mention this does the does the brooks brooks trade still happen
2: (laughs) that actually they wouldn't have had any need for kelly Oubre if
0: they had if they had picked Luca.
2: Yeah, well, I, I think Ubra actually is not a terrible fit next Luca, but yeah, I mean Ryan McDonough, I think basically got fired because he couldn't get a point guard, and he could have just said, "Well, Luka's our point guard." Oh,
0: absolutely, yeah, yeah,
2: um, yeah. I'm- if only they could have found a way to like you know just put Luca in a UFA hat or something before the drafts, and, and maybe Sarver would have. <laughs> yeah. Him. So so no, I think they'd be behind where Dallas is. They don't don't have as good a coaching. Um, Kakashkov would probably still be there, though. That's a, that's another that's, aspect of it. Yeah,
0: you can you can bet on that. I mean, Dallas also did a great job with Luka physically, which I think has been overlooked a yeah. little bit. Um, I mean, the Suns' training staff has had been well regarded, but I, I don't know if you can just assume that happens in another place.
2: Um, so they wouldn't have had a center at that point. They would have had.
0: They would no. They would have kept. You, you know what though? They would have kept Rashawn Holmes.
2: Yeah. God, he was. He is definitely has been way better than I thought he would be this year. So, no, I, I think they'd clearly be behind Dallas. Dallas really, I mean, don't forget Dallas traded for Porzingis as well, mm-hmm. uh, who I think has really helped, even if he's disappointing in his individual offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they also had role players like Dwight Powell already in place.
0: Kleba, you know, they were able yeah. to do the deal for DeLon Wright. They drafted Jalen Brunson, yada, yada. Yeah, they, they've they been able yeah, to do a lot of stuff on the edges of their roster.
2: So no, I think Phoenix would be significantly behind there. Uh Okay. Portland. This is from uh at option zero JDM. Does CJ McCollum pass the Nene test going forward? That's a, a term that Danny LaRue for listeners who don't listen to Dunkton all the time that my, my partner, Danny LaRue created to basically indicate, is this guy a positive or negative contract in trade value? Give you the numbers on McCollum. He has 27 million this year. Twenty nine next year, thirty one the year after that, thirty three the year after that, thirty six the year after that in the twenty twenty three twenty four season.
0: Yeah, that was a that was a hefty extension.
2: So it doesn't even kick in for two years.
0: Yeah, yeah. I wait, wait, now the the now I haven't heard this this term. I always I would the. Terminology I always use with Nene was um when Masai was the GM there in Denver, I called it the Musai Musaiu jury uh uh delayed sign and trade.
2: Yeah, okay. So this is it's kind of the same thing here of it's basically like, hey, we, we signed this guy we thinking he's got positive trade value at this number. So that's why Danny called it the DNA test because mm-hmm. That was the question of, would he have positive trade value at that number or not?
0: Right. You know, I mean, we value wings. We value wings who can score. I think in a playoff environment, CJ's probably more valuable than in the regular season. Uh, not really a plus defender, although he has a weirdly good instinct for blocking shots. Um, yeah, I, I, I see that as more a minus than a plus because as you go out that many years, there's unquestionable downside risk. You know when you when you take this guy's age, age out that far, so I think that's a real question. Now, the other question is: Did you, I mean did they do, did they do this thinking about trades at all? I I I just think they they think they're just going to keep Damon CJ together for you know for eons. Yeah, I just, we'll I just think I, that I just think that's their their operating mentality.
2: Yeah, I mean CJ fifty three percent true shooting. Yeah. Not, not really that that not, great.
0: for an distribute. offensive guard that's not great yeah uh, he's 20 yeah, he 28 years old you're paying him till he's like 33. i mean I, I i agree that that's a move they should be looking at i just don't have any kind of vibe at all that it's something they're actually looking at
2: yeah well he basically when was that agreed to i guess he he's going to be traded eligible by the deadline i think i think that yeah. it'll six months will have elapsed because of the, the the mellow rule where it, you can't extend and trade a guy uh, anymore, or it has to be a very limited extension like the Kyle Lowry one. So I think he does have value, but he shouldn't. That's that's my view. Um, okay, next one here. Any of these uh, looking sexy to you? Uh, so
0: this is an interesting question here by Reverend Romulus. Is there any real value in the Blazers having cap room this offseason? Or should they be trying to maximize their expiring contracts through trades before the deadline? Uh, yes and yes, is what I would say. They should be trying to take their expirings and turn it into a bird in hand in terms of a player who's under contract for next season. But I also think they're in an interesting position if they're able to get um, you know, around $20 million or so in cap room, which seems fairly gettable for them, depending on what they do. And the reason I say that is... That puts you in a position where you're above the mid-level. There's basically no good teams that have cap room. And I mean, I know Portland is not a good team this year, but they project as a good team when you go out a year and Nurkic is back and you know, you have Zach Collins and you still have Lillard and whatnot. And so, they're in a pretty favorable position to get whoever it is that might be out there. And it's not a great market, but there's there's going to be somebody who's at least pretty good. That they're, that they're going to be in a strong position to get, and in a market like Portland, you're usually not. So I think step one still is you try to trade for that, but I do think there's an advantage to them being a cap room team.
2: All right, Sacramento time here. Bunch of questions about the Kings. Start with uh, Shauna, Seanhan Murray. If you're the Kings, how do you build around Darren Fox and Badgley? What types of players? Uh, and this is a tough one to me, John, because... I'm really struggling to know what Bagley is. He, he yeah. on paper, seems like a, a guy that might be a little difficult to fit around.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the first question is, should we build around Fox and Bagley? Um, and then and then you get to the question of how. I think, you know, Fox really made a huge step forward last year. It looked fantastic. The beginning of this year was not so great. I want to see how he looks when he comes back from injury. Bagley, I think there's still a lot of questions about. I think, you know, even – watching him last night against the Knicks there were you know there's still those holes in his defensive game and the things he doesn't read quite as well he's not a three point shooter but he's not really a center either so there's just, there's some weird fit issues with him on almost any good team so i you know the patient strategy is probably going to be the best one in sac right now just kind of let these guys develop and see what they're going to be for another 6 months to a year before you start launching into decisions
2: is Luke Walton doing a good job with the Kings uh, at Dan such I think especially from an emotional standpoint after that O and five start you would have to say so yes uh and I think his life has been made easier in some ways by the absence of Bagley now that he is back I think Bagley has said that he expects to start I think the front office expects him to start there's been a large investment in him and took him over Luka Doncic, yeah. famously. Yeah. So now, now the challenge really begins, right? Because w- but the, we, and, we
0: and Holmes have been really good this whole stretch, and <sighs> and like Bagley is, I think, pretty clearly inferior to that right now. So working that back to the mix is going to be challenging, and it also takes away from some of the lineups with Barnes at the four, and and really m- pushes Barnes back to being like a full time three, which I think is not always great. So, all
2: right. Next question. We got a ton of them, so we'll do a lightning round here. Okay. What's behind the Kings' recent improvement, and with Fox returning, are they a favorite for the eighth seed?
0: Boy, I I hesitate to anoint any of these teams a favorite for the eighth seed, (laughs) or or seven for that matter. We got to pick two of them, and and just. Anytime you believe in one of them for a second, they do exactly what SAC did last night and lose it home to New York. So um, I think it's going to depend in part on in-season moves, who decides they really want to be in the playoff race and who decides this is not even worth our, worth our bothering and we're just going to play for next year. Uh, all right, I, I, I lost my train a little here.
2: Well, well here, I, I can chime in a little bit. I mean, last two weeks, 19th on offense, 17th on defense um they have actually been lucky to get to 11 and 14 they have a negative 4.3 yeah net rating on the season part of that was just because they just had some massive blowouts right at the beginning in that zero and five start yep um but with bagley coming back fox coming back it, it does seem like it, walton's gonna have to juggle the rotations correctly you know i thought this was a 500 ish team when healthy i wouldn't say they're a favorite but i do think they'll be in the mix and these teams don't look like they're about to go run away and hide. Your Phoenix, your Oklahoma City, you, you know. There's a, now those teams that have better point differentials. Um, Sacramento at least has enough depth that they can withstand injuries. I think better than. And, some of these I, other teams. and I
0: do think getting Fox back will have an impact because they're getting no offense at all from the point guard spot. They're playing Buddy Hield as the backup one. Uh, getting Fox back into that mix, I think, is going to make a large difference.
2: Well, uh, back to Walton too. I want to see if they're actually going to start running now because they've been playing at one of the slower paces in the NBA, but Fox is really the guy who makes it yeah. run and Bagley too. Those Bagley is, he's, he's great at running the floor. Always love to hear that, uh, about a big, uh, so yeah, I, I think, uh, I, I wouldn't call them my favorite, but I would consider, consider them to be in the mix for sure. Um, okay. Let's move to San Antonio here. We, you had one that you wanted to spend a bunch of time on here.
0: What are some trade scenarios? Oh, I'm sorry. This is uh, Buddy Scott NBAS. What are some trade scenarios for Aldridge and DeRozan that the Spurs would realistically entertain given their history of no in-season trades and their wanting to remain competitive with Pop? And is it too early to pull the plug on this Spurs team? I am ready to pull the plug. Uh, I don't know yeah, about uh, you, Nate. They should have I,
2: pulled the plug on it when they traded Kawhi Leonard a year and a half ago. Yeah,
0: or at the very least, um, at the end of... Last season, you know, when it it became, oh. you know, that they were getting older and they weren't going to contend and they, you know, I will say, I mean, having been on the inside for this and been in a similar situation with a similar yeah. type team, you know, we didn't have five rings and, and shit, but, you know, we, we were a good team that was getting older and it was clearly time, but it's just, it's, it's hard to turn that ocean liner around, man. And uh, and and get all the stakeholders really aligned to the idea that like, hey, I know we made the playoffs last year, but now it's time for us to suck for a little while, you know? And so that's, uh, I'm sure they're facing a similar challenge. And it's it's time though. I mean, Aldridge is 34, DeRozan is 30. Neither of them are making the all-star team this year or, or getting anywhere close to it. And you look at the rest of the roster. I mean, Mills is 31, Gay is 33, like all the players they're counting on to be the, like their big minutes guys are in their 30s and not really delivering at a high level anymore. So,
2: I, I mean, they could trade DeRozan to me and like not really be any worse.
0: Well, there's that too. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> which exactly that you could say the same thing for Aldridge, really. And, you know, can they tilt their offense to be a little less? you know, post up and, and long too happy. I mean, they still have a good offense playing that way, but you can see now how much money they left on the table with Bertans by playing the way they did, um, as as opposed to, you know, maybe a little more open, three-point friendly style. And defensively, they're just not good.
2: No, the, I mean, and Aldridge and DeRozan are actually, their, their numbers superficially are not terrible, uh, but you know, Aldridge, I think, has really slipped defensively uh DeRozan has never been good defensively he just has so many fit problems for you so no i think they need to move into the mode of you know what do you have in Derek white and Dejounte murray can those guys play together yes. especially white has shot the ball okay from three like let him bomb away explore the studio space a little bit patty mills is someone i think they should really seriously consider moving as well especially now his value will never be higher uh he's got 12 million left uh after this year yeah uh, on his contract but i think there are a lot of teams that just have nothing at point guard that could really use i mean the wolves i'm sure would be very happy to have him if they're trying to make a playoff push what
0: about instance, mills on the lakers playing off the ball with lebron and ad
2: yeah i mean you you uh you run into the trouble of the matching salary there since uh, they struggle to have anyone to trade that because they signed all these one-year uh no trade guys because they're bird rights but um no i i would like him there I mean, he'd be a great backup point guard for Phoenix, for instance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, could play a little two for you as well, have Rubio guard the two on on defense. So I, I think he would have some value. Uh, Gay, we, we talked about him on a previous program. Uh, so now trade scenarios for Aldridge and DeRozan, and that's when it really gets difficult because uh, who really wants the guys? DeRozan is, is probably going to opt in, right, at this
0: point. You would think so, Right. Mm-hmm. All right, let me let me let me throw let me throw some shit at the wall here. Okay. Uh, Ibaka and Powell for DeRozan.
2: Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't think, think Toronto, Toronto does is, that. Is, no, well, I mean, I guess the, going through to twenty twenty one, I think Toronto. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't see them doing that, especially because. And would DeRozan would he be happy to go back there again?
0: Be, it would be a little awkward, right?
2: No, no, it doesn't doesn't seem that way. Uh, but no, so sorry, that shit is sliding down the wall. It is not sticking there at all. Someone, someone is gonna have to clean that up. Um, probably me.
0: Yeah, what? I mean, who's who's really in the market for? I tell you, who might actually have a use for DeRozan with the way he plays? A guy who can just like soak up a lot of offense and at least get you to okay. What about DeRozan in Orlando?
2: Yeah, that's, that's one that makes a little more sense to me. But what's what's the asset going back there?
0: Well, that so there are two questions here. One, is DeRozan worth an asset at this point?
2: Yeah, well, so $28 million player option next year?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a tough one, right?
2: Um, yeah, actually, that reminds me. I'm going to edit my spreadsheet now to – uh have him projected as opting and thanks for reminding me
0: (laughs) yeah you would Uh, you would think at this point right but what 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 is it that that orlando you know because orlando's going to look at it like oh to get to that 28 all right we'll send you you know aminu and dj augustine and uh you know (laughs) whatever else we have lying around
2: and the ghost of timofey mozgov yeah exactly
0: Um, and i'm sure the spurs would want more than that but how do you Again, one of the things that hurts the trade market as a whole is just we don't have any a lot of these like real trash contracts that you can throw into a deal. Is like, hey, we're getting yeah. a first, but we have to pay Solomon Hill for three years. You know, like those those kinds of deals that we saw the last couple of years, and and I, I think those things really grease trades a lot of times uh, because both teams can declare victory a little more rather than just something like this where it's just. You know, teams are just going to want to trade like slop expirings for DeRozan, and and you can't sell that in San Antonio.
2: All right, let's uh, finish up here with the Utah Jazz. All right. Colby Hall at skip underscore wow. What are John's thoughts on the struggles Mike Conley is going through in Utah?
0: Oh, there will be no Conley slander on this program. All right, Mike Conley. Uh, I do have thoughts on him in Utah. So the biggest thing I see. Um, you know, so there there's definitely some make or miss element to it um, when you look at the season he's having. But he's also he's getting to the rim a lot less. And the thing I really see is that the adjustment for him playing with Gobert after a decade of plus of playing with Mark is a much more profound one than I had considered when the trade was made. Uh, I really thought with more spacing around him that he would he would blow up this year, and. It hasn't happened, and when you watch him run that pick and roll, he's looking for that pocket pass, that bounce pass that he was so good at with Mark, and when you make that pass to Rudy Gobert, it's just not a threatening play, and the thing that's threatening with him is the lob, and it's it's late, which is usually like after Mike has shot his floater, basically, um, yeah. and it's not a pass that he's had to throw for I mean, we had one lob guy and it was Brandon Wright and he was healthy for like a week. And so now you're, it just completely changes his, how his MO on that pick and roll. And I think that's the thing that's really, uh, been an issue for him. You know, the last couple of games before he went out, I thought he was adjusting a little better, hit the, hit the lob a little more. Um, So I'm really interested to see as the season goes on if he gets more comfortable with that because it's really not a play that's been there for him since he played with Greg Oden in AAU, right? So yeah, but he's he's got to get more shots at the rim though. Um, you know his floater percentage is a little down. I think that'll just come up naturally.
2: Yeah, way down. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, and and, uh, mid-range twos as well. Thirty percent. I mean, shooting like. When you look at everything from the restricted area to the three point line, yeah, he's like thirty two percent or something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, like even that that first game he played where he shot like one of sixteen or whatever, like yeah. every single right hand floater was short. Um, and so I, I, I just, but I that's not a thing that would worry me as much. Just, just because the well, history well, so I, and we I know got Maker, that worries
2: make him okay. Give it to me. Uh forty nine percent at the rim. And, and you mentioned he's not getting there and the 49%. And I, and I do think that may be, you know, certainly that could be age, but that also might be related to the pick and roll where I think with Marcus popping, now you can get to the basket on some of those quick attacks, flip a shot up before the, the help can arrive with Gobert. Gobert is rolling. So his man is in the vicinity. Yeah, the- if you can't get the lob to Gobert, he's just not going to be able to get a shot up or it's going to be, you know, he's not an athletic finisher, I think also another thing that's hurt him, he was one of the best guys in the league at that bullshit, feel some contact on the perimeter, barf up a shot and get two free throws. You know, and mm-hmm. once they took that away a couple of years ago, I mean, still was effective last year. Obviously.
0: Yeah, he was but, still really good last year, though, and he missed almost the yeah. whole season before. But yeah, that that 16, 17 season, he got the second half of that year. He really mastered that. He got so many bullshit three shot fouls on that move. You, you know, it's like the the Lou Williams tangle your arm, your guy's arm, and go yeah. up with it. Like he he had mastered that. There's no question.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, this was fun. Let's uh, let's get out of here. Okay. Well, thanks
0: everyone for joining us and I want everyone to have a great holiday and uh, be sure to download our our next podcast over Christmas uh, week, too, because we're going to put one out. So make sure you don't miss us. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at John Hollinger at Nate Duncan NBA. And uh, thanks again for listening. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar.